Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 11th September 2014. Have a listen, please. Offering a humble pranam at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's episode of Afternoon Satsang. We are here to continue our series on the Ramakatha Raswaini. We are in a very, very important part in that story of Lord Rama. But as always, before we begin this journey, this wonderful journey, reminiscing this beautiful story as written by our dear Lord, the Ramakatha Raswaini, let us begin by taking the name of that unmatched Lord, Lord Shri Rama. श्री राम राम रामे रामे मनोरमे सहस्रनाम तत्तुल्यम राम नाम वरानने Sairam, dear listeners, welcome to Ramakatha Rasavahini, the nectarous and sweet story of Lord Shri Rama, written as an autobiographical account almost by our dear Swami Bhagwan Shri Satya Sai Baba. As always, it is Arvind from Team Radio Sai and with me is Brother Prem from Team Radio Sai. We both offer on behalf of everyone in the world, in the universe, our most humble and grateful pranams at the lotus feet of our dear Bhagwan, who is ever present with us in the studios here. And yes, our special guest Lord Shri Hanuman, who is always present wherever the glory and name of Lord Shri Ram is sung. Today, we will be going through, as Prem said, a very, very, very important event in the Ramayana, the Kalyanam. The Rama Sita Kalyanam, the wedding of Lord Sri Rama and Mother Sita. And this is very important at many levels, at the physical level for the continuity of the story. And this is possibly that point in time of the story when the actual purpose for which Lord Sri Rama, the Lord has descended on earth in a human form. This is the beginning of the end of Ravana. It is also important from metaphorical point of view because... It gives us so many lessons into creating a better world, a more peaceful world or the Ramaraja as it is called. And of course, it is important for us because Swami, among all the different episodes of the Ramayana, 
apparently has narrated the most in the greatest depth in the greatest detail this particular event which is sita rama kalyanam so on three counts the sita rama kalyanam becomes very very important right maybe just to recapitulate the point where we stopped last time we spoke of how lord rama walks up to that uh, shivadanush and in the presence of the entire court of janaka he in a very easy manner breaks, almost a casual manner right in fact in many places swami describes it with different details in the sense some places swami says that he lifts and breaks it there's a place where he says that swami presses that bow with his left leg and it raises up that is how generally the bow is handled mm. not any disrespect meant to the bow but this is how the arms generally like the bow is handled so when rama does that everybody is shocked because here is a you know a, a bow a, a weapon which was brought by 300 able bodied men and nobody was able to lift it and lord rama is lifting it with a press of his feet and then uh, he strings the bow as the custom demands him to in fact prem if i can interrupt you here uh, in the later chapter in the ramkatha rasavahini swami actually uh, describes in detail about this bow little more details which he doesn't describe earlier this bow was actually one among twin bows that had been made by vishwakarma right. the architect of the gods and uh, swami writes that these two bows were created with similar properties and similar strengths and everything similar and they were supposed to be the most powerful most uh, potent bows ever made in the history of the universe and one was presented to lord shiva and it is this bow that lord shiva utilized for tripura haranam the destruction of the three cities the tripura okay. and the other bow was given to lord vishnu so the bow that lord shri rama broke is the bow that lord shiva used to destroy the tripura the three cities and the other bow shall come later in the story but that is the brief history of this bow very true and you know the reason why this whole episode happened the way it happened that event of that bow having to be broken and then as you said the union of rama and sita is much more than just a prince and a princess wedding much more than two royal families coming together in the union of marriage as we would see that description which swami gives of how detailed you know the marriage ceremony was where each one had to reel out their whole lineage going into you know if somebody would ask me what is my grandfather's father's name i'm sure no i wouldn't be in a position to tell it but here are about 25 30 generations being named but before we come to all that you know this union is very significant more than just two royal clans coming together in the bond of marriage because as you said the key words are prakriti and parmatma and there is a discourse in which swami beautifully brought out a nuance in this event of rama breaking this bow right we spoke about uh, how the dhanush was representative of the ego or the body consciousness and rama was actually showing how a sadhaka goes beyond this body consciousness in that event of breaking that bow but there was a small detail in which swami you know refers to it and says that this also has a very beautiful significance to it so and dear listeners this particular point is something that all of us have seen in the drawings and paintings of this episode but have not noticed and this is something that our thought has never gone to and that is what makes this account magical makes it autobiographical because who else other than rama will know what is important in an event and what is not so important this is one little detail that the entire world had missed till swami revealed it right this is from a clip of a discourse which swami gave during the 1992 summer course you know we were using a lot of clips from the 96 summer course which was entirely on the ramayana but this particular discourse dear listeners if you're interested i think you should go back and see this 25th may 1992 hmm. because swami gives a very holistic approach to the ramayana what ramayana stands for and what was the different characters of the ramayana what did they represent it's a very beautiful Full, uh, holistic discourse but we're going to play only 2 minutes of that discourse because this point which swami is making is very significant for our discussion today 
రామచరిత్ర ఎందు ఒకటి అవినాభావ సంబంధమైన అన్యోన్య ఆశ్రయమైన ఒక తత్వాన్ని విద్యార్థులు జ్ఞప్తి అందించుకోవాలి ద స్టూడెంట్ షుడ్ రిమెంబర్ వన్ పర్టికులర్ ఫ్యాక్టర్ ఇన్ దిస్ సేక్రెడ్ రామాయణ ద స్టోరీ ఆఫ్ రామా విచ్ ఈస్ మ్యూచువలీ డిపెండెంట్ అండ్ విచ్ టేక్స్ విన్ విచ్ దెర్ ఈస్ ఎ లాట్ ఆఫ్ అండర్స్టాండింగ్ జనక మహారాజు యొక్క ఆస్థానమునందు శివధనస్సును విరిచినప్పుడు ధనుస్సు విరిగినది మాత్రమే కాని నారి తెగలేదు వెన్ రామా బ్రోక్ ది బౌ ఆఫ్ శివ ఇన్ ది కోర్ట్ ఆఫ్ జనక ది బౌ వాజ్ బ్రోకన్ బట్ ది థ్రెట్ వాజ్ నాట్ బ్రోకన్ ఈ యొక్క ధనుస్సుకు అటువైపున ఇటువైపున చివరనున్నటువంటి యొక్క భావములు రెండు ఏకమయ్యే ఉంటున్నాయి అట్ ది ఎండ్స్ ఆఫ్ దిస్ బౌ దెర్ వాజ్ అ థ్రెట్ విచ్ వాస్ టైంగ్ and bringing them together ee rendintini sambandha bandhavyam kalipinatuntide ee yokka nari anetuntide oka prakruti this particular threat may be compared to nature which has brought about a coordination between these two ends ee dhanasku atuvaipana ituvaipana undinatuvanti yokka sthanamule sita ramulu at the either end of the bow the ends may be compared to sita and another rama sita ramulaga prakruti paramatmalu yokka sannigita sambandha bandhavyame sita rama represent the essential relationship that exists between the creation and the creator sita bhujata sita was the daughter of anaga prakruti that means it is nature creation ramulu purushudu rama was the supreme ramayana mantaikudunu ప్రకృతి పురుషుల యొక్క సన్నిహిత సంబంధ బాంధవ్యమే అని చక్కగా ప్రబోధిస్తూ వచ్చింది రామాయణం ద ఎంటైర్ రామాయణ అటెంప్స్ టు టీచ్ ద టైప్ ఆఫ్ రిలేషన్షిప్ దట్ ఎగ్జిస్ట్ బిట్వీన్ ద క్రియేటర్ అండ్ ద క్రియేషన్ ద లాల్ అండ్ ద నేచర్ కనుక ప్రకృతి పరమాత్మల యొక్క విభాగము విభజన అనేటువంటిది ఏనాటికి సంభవించేటువంటిది కాదు దేర్ ఫోర్ ఇట్ ఈస్ ఇంపాసిబుల్ టు సపరేట్ ద క్రియేషన్ from creator sarvakala sarvavasthale endukudunu samyogamuto kudinatundide kaani viyogam anetundide indulo e maatram kudu asambhavam at all times and in all circumstances it is associated with the joining coming together and company rather than separation there are two very interesting points that stand out mm-hmm. one thing is after you know after hearing this actually when i went back and saw through the drawings in that amar chitrakatha comic book on the ramayana mm-hmm. this is depicted as swami says you know the bow has broken almost in the middle right. and the two solid pieces are hanging about but the string connecting the two ends is absolutely intact exactly, right. even in that drawing there so when swami says this the obvious thing swami says is the bow is dehabimanam that is body attachment that has to be broken but in the process of giving up body attachment one should not forget the unity and the oneness of nature that is prakriti and god that is parmatma very true in fact you know just to draw something from a discussion which we are having on the other show in the thursday live shravanam mananam you know there we are going through a series of discourses which is one could say pretty esoteric in their theme because swami is talking about the various instruments in the body the different aspects of the mind 
and what is ahankara where is ahankara which is more subtle the manas or the ahankara you know that kind of very very spiritually heavy themes and towards the end of it i think the penultimate discourse all the last discourse swami makes a point he says see having learnt all this having acquired this spiritual knowledge how should that spiritual knowledge express itself Hmm. And then Swami says it should express itself as morality in society, as wow. respect to nature. Because Swami is telling that see these are all in uh, in a very abstract realm, but when acquired and when uh, ingested, it should express itself as harmony in nature, as man living in harmony with the surroundings. You know, Prem, when they say Rama Rajya, towards the end of the Ramayana, that is what happens. Rama Rajya gets established right. because Rama is the ruler ruling the kingdom of Ayodhya with Mother Sita by his side. And uh, Swami gives a description of Rama Rajya. This I got not directly from Swami, but from what Professor Anil Kumar sir narrated mm-hmm. in a talk. And he said that during one Kodaikanal trip, okay. Swami was all about Ramayana. I mean, in the sense he materialized rings, he materialized diadems, he materialized jewels that people during the Ramayana times wore. Mm. He materialized apparently necklace that Ravana, Ravana wore. wore right. It was made up of 108 little lingams. Right. I've seen a picture gold. of that. Oh, you wow. know, there's a beautiful picture. The interesting thing was Swami materialized it and even wore it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> 108 golden lingams. Right. All uh, linked together and into a necklace. And Professor Anil Kumar asked Swami that, Swami, what is this? Such a big, did he wear it? as a you know dual round around right, his neck right. because it's so big then Swami said Ravana was not puny like you people mm. I mean he was a gigantic figure so so during that Kodaikanal trip Swami he described what Ramaraja is All right. and the points that Swami said are that in Ramaraja there was no premature death Okay. There was no death due to sickness or sudden unavoidable, you know, cancer, AIDS, whatever we say. These are not Swami's words, cancer, AIDS, but he said there was no premature death or death due to disease. There were no epidemics. There was no flood. There was no drought. There were timely rains. That is one aspect. Then Swami said there was no social disturbance. There was no unrest. There was no poverty. I think we should spend a little time going a little deep into this because it is very, very critical in now appreciating, after we know all this, why Swami gave so much emphasis or why Swami gives so much of description and narrative about this Sita Rama Kalyanam. Because Sita Rama Kalyanam is the union of God and nature. All the problems that we have today at a subtle level is because of we we lacking harmony with nature and we lacking harmony with society. That is the cause for all the problems. Isn't it too much of a coincidence see that as times have passed, the number of tsunamis, volcanic explosions, the number of earthquakes, number of, for that matter, take India, number of floods, number of droughts. At the same time during the year, one part of the country having flood, one part of the country having drought. We are seeing a very, very grim and grave flood situation in Jammu and Kashmir, which is considered as heaven on earth, paradise on earth, God's own kingdom. That's what they say. There have been more than 2 lakh people displaced because of floods. It is not a coincidence that we see an increase in nature's fury and uh, though we are not able to see a direct connection, because of our faith in Swami, we accept that not living in harmony with nature is the cause for all this and therefore one of the steps to bring in Ramaraja is to have harmony with nature. Very true. You know, in many senses, if you look at uh, how we have evolved intellectually, 
maybe sometime 100 200 years ago they would have told that a bad king means there would be natural calamities in in the kingdom hmm. you know that would have been a, a dictum which was accepted but then with science we said no no a bad weather means it depends on these uh, factors you know it is dependent on which side of the mountain you are in or you know the tides of the ocean and all that it is true you know in a sense there might have been instruments which nature used to show that something morally is wrong with the society but since we depended on these uh, things that we've lost this disconnect between you know morality in society righteousness in an individual and the calamities which can happen in the larger sense and that is what it's very interesting where you're saying the chami is told that ramaraja means these things and uh, i don't but i think when I, when we were in school we used to read one story in which there is the saint who is traveling from kingdom to kingdom mm. and he tells the kings whether they are ruling the kingdom well or not mm. and he travels through different lands he comes to one particular kingdom where the king has a very good name why does he have a good name because he has built so many orphanages he has built so many old age homes he has built so many places you know of uh, medical care so that is why he is very famous then he goes up to the king and says that you are not ruling your kingdom well he is saying there is some unrighteousness in your ruling so hmm. the king is surprised he is saying see i have such a good name i have done so much good so he says see in your kingdom there is a need for orphanages in your kingdom there is a need for old, old age homes, homes. Hmm. in your kingdom there is a need for medical care which means that you are not ruling your you know, your kingdom well hmm. You know many times we forget such things which are very obvious but still very subtle and I think in many ways what Swami would say especially about uh, some things like socialism or communism what Swami would say is this and that is why even in Hinduism you or in Bharatiya culture you have this dharma artha kama moksha it is not wrong to earn but you have to earn in the right means the root cause for all these problems i think is embodied by swami's statement that the proper study of mankind is man exactly swami says if you want to understand mankind understand man understand and swami goes on to dilate about the functioning of the human body swami says you see when the a thorn pricks the leg the hand is actually not affected at all but automatically instantaneously it goes and plucks the thorn out of the leg what is the hand got to benefit by pulling the thorn out what is the hand suffering if the leg is getting the prick but when a question is asked in this manner we feel that it is so logical because we see the body as a whole in fact when say one limb say a finger gets a gangrene the finger is just amputated it's just amputated it's cut and thrown away so that the body can be healthy because the finger knows that if the body is healthy it can be fine but if it is fine and the body is not healthy it is going to die out anyway so if the gangrene is going to affect the body on a larger scale the finger is not having any qualms about sacrificing its own self of course the finger doesn't have a kind of consciousness of its own but that's how it is the finger doesn't mind we don't mind losing of a finger if the body can be saved we don't mind losing a leg we don't mind losing both the legs if the body can be saved because it's all about making a sacrifice for the bigger whole the larger which means there is a very very intimate connect between the micro and the macro that we forget we think that everything will remain hunky dory as it is we can continue to be as we are and that is a powerful message swami brings out by saying sita rama kalyanam is absolutely essential because you know even when he says about the bow breaking he says whatever may happen that connection between nature prakriti and parmatma doesn't cut and rama and sita they are born in different kingdoms they are separated in every fashion possible they are separated by time they are separated by distance they are separated by circumstances and yet everybody all the sages sages are supposed to represent the good people everybody endeavors to bring them together because you know you cannot separate divinity and nature nature is divine divinity is in nature 
and this is a very very powerful message because once we start seeing god in nature once we start seeing god in society which is the next aspect which we shall speak about that is when we can have the beginning of the ramarajya so there is another uh, way of looking at it one is of course seeing sita as prakriti and there's the other uh, way which swami himself has told in sandeh nivarni and we've discussed this before that also actually leads to a very similar understanding where it is said that rama represents the atma mm-hmm. and sita represents the mind which has the wisdom that atma is divine mm. you know she is not just the mind but the mind which has the wisdom or the understanding that the atma is is the god that's why she is considered as the brahmagnana right, right? she is the brahmagnana and the entire story of ramayana and why rama sita kalyanam is so very special is it's the moment of enlightenment it's the moment where the soul realizes that i am god you know where the soul comes in contact with the awareness that the soul is god uh, as it is said that everybody is god <laughs> as one of our teachers used to you know very jocularly you say you're a very great soul man <laughs> and then immediately he'll add that everybody's soul is great <laughs> <laughs> you know meaning the mind and body right your personality is nothing much to talk about but your soul is definitely great so similarly everybody is divine because everybody has the atman but what is the difference between an ordinary person who still has the atman and a realized person knowing that one right is exactly. divine because swami himself used to say i am god and you too are god but i know it you don't know it and that knowing is represented by sita and you know this knowing makes all the difference because when you don't know then an act is considered as service an act is considered as compassion but when the hand goes and pulls the thorn out of the leg you don't say that the hand is compassionate on the leg you don't say that the hand is serving the leg you just feel that that, that is something natural for the hand to do there is nothing surprising about it right. even if the hand is injured and the leg gets a prick the hand will go and pull out the needle or the thorn without saying that you know i am injured now come on i also need some rest so let somebody else do it tell the other leg to pull out that thorn or nothing like that so once the knowledge is there acts that we do or acts that others do first of all the we and others don't exist because everything is us everything is we everything is i that's what swami says from i to we to he we move from i i to we which is broadening our heart but when we broaden our heart still there is a duality where you feel we we say we because we feel that it is separate i am separate from others as from the others and therefore it is a we and then from i to we from we to he we move when we move to he that is god there is only god all around so that knowledge makes all the difference before we go further prem there was one more point that swami mentioned in the discourse clip about rama breaking the bow which is again beautiful swami did not dilate on it but it's so beautiful swami was calling that as the nari the thread is called the nari right but swami also says the nari plays an important role in keeping prakriti and parmatma together you know in bringing about this unity of prakriti and parmatma it just triggered when i heard it not that time when i heard it now it just triggered in me how swami in many of his discourses has given so much importance to the woman he has said that she is the fulcrum she is the pillar of a family of a household and therefore of the society too around which it rotates you know many times swami says that if the woman in the family is having love for god and having her fundamentals right the whole family is corrected and personally i would not like to name the name these people prem but i have seen definitely at least two two families of this kind mm-hmm. which i am saying one kind the family only the lady of the house you know like she believes in swami she is swami's devotee she has love for swami and the way a person who has got newly married into the house experiences because this lady believes in swami and has love for swami in the other house it is the man who believes in swami the wife doesn't have belief in swami and nobody else believes in swami and a newly married member comes into the house in this family 
you trace the history trace the growth or movement of these families for next 7 years at the end of 7 years the family in which the lady was the devotee is now having 15 devotees okay and the family in which only the man was the devotee he continues to have a silent and secret respect for swami the others are more or less the same they have not even had any kind of exposure to swami so in a discourse i don't remember which discourse but i remember reading it very clearly where swami says the bal vikas movement should be taken up by the mahilas alone because nobody knows how to mould children bring up future if you bring up the future with this knowledge of god divinity nature everything the way a woman does and i felt that was a subtle point that came out through this discourse when swami says that nari plays an important role of course it appears as if he is referring to a thread but i just couldn't help getting inspired in thinking that swami definitely made a nari also means a woman You know, whenever we talk about nature, especially when you're talking about nature, we use a word which is increasingly being used even in the environmental circles. Mm. The word called sustainability. Mm. You know, we are talking about sustainable change. When you say sustainable, something which is slow, you know, which the change is not drastic that you can see it or note it, but it is there and it benefits in a very silent way. If you look at a family structure, or let, let's say an Indian family structure, where the wife is the one who takes care of the family, where the husband is the one who earns for the family. You know, in a way, what we have done with nature is what we have done at home also. Mm. See, in the house, you can quantify how much the husband brings to the family. Correct. You can say in a month he is able to get this much as resources as his Just salary. Just add up, uh, add up his salary, his right. benefits, and other th- right. earnings. But what a woman brings to the house is definitely not quantifiable. But that is so slow and so essential, and it is almost like the backbone of the whole family. But since we are giving importance to something which is more tangible and which is more visible in front of our eyes, which is the salary or the pay pack the husband brings, we have kind of brought down the value we give to that which is silently happening in the background, which is the role of the woman. And this has forced the women to give up their role. and to embrace the man's role thinking that that is more important to prove their importance and at a very superficial level prem it, there is a argument which seems to make it appear justified the argument is come on i am doing it for them only i am earning money for them it is as if money is the most most important most pivotal most vital thing which it is not exactly recently i was reading an article by a blogger very nicely he writes about 10 different things he says things which we know are not important and yet we are behind them mm-hmm. it's almost like the case of duryodhana where he tells krishna that krishna i know that this is adharma but i can't help it i'll do it and one among them he says is this we all know that what matters in life are a good family a healthy atmosphere so many other things other than money and yet when it comes to judging and seeing ourselves we entirely see it based on money in fact recently you know i had one girl if i may say so she is a working girl and she said that she is feeling very dissatisfied with her work life when i asked her the reason she was saying it's because you know there are others at workplace who have got their bonuses i didn't get my bonus now i know this girl personally to be very hard working and really good at her job mm-hmm. i reminded her that how she had told me of how clients in the past came and told her that experience of working with that firm has improved and they feel so much wonderful ever since she has come in and the same is from the other employees also so i asked her what do they say still she said that you know they are very very happy with me they are very thrilled they are happy to be with me and then i said uh, today what are they saying the same thing then i said then why do you feel that you are not contributed so i said your fault is not that you are not working well enough your fault is that you are judging the quality of your work 
whether you get a bonus or not see though we know that how the employees feel and how the customers feel are more important than the money that i get somehow we get hardwired into thinking that the amount of money that we get is directly proportional to how good i am if i don't get a raise that means i have not been good so as you say it is so important that we make a conscious effort to realize that there are some aspects coming back to what you were saying that a woman does in the family which can't be quantified at least immediately exactly 10 years down know, the line and the interesting thing is that is the same thing with nature too mm. let us say you have a forest the contribution that the forest can do for generations together is not quantifiable in what you can get in one year from it yeah not like the firewood or the resources just supposed to what you can cut it down and you can get wood for furniture but when left to live that can contribute so silently and in a manner which is so easily you know which goes unnoticeable no it's a similar thing what we have done to the womanhood in our family is the same thing what we doing to what nature is doing very environment very superbly put prem because this is what happens in a forest also immediately we don't notice but groundwater depletion reduction of rainfall desertification of lands so many things ultimately leading to change in climate patterns climate is something that is considered steady in fact the recent floods there are 2 lakh people who are trapped in kashmir it has been entirely attributed to change in climatic patterns they're saying in the last 70 years they have not had rains like this and such a devastation they have never had at all say 50 years back when degradation of forest started who would have thought that forests are responsible for keeping you safe from floods and absolutely we, there's nothing to stop the flow of the water now you know in a sense yesterday there was a program which they were saying that one full village has got inundated it is because the river has changed its course understandably those forest lands or woodlands which would have stopped the river from changing its course have all been emptied now so the river when it's got the right flow and force it can flow the way it wants and it, it is flowing right into the villages that's what a, when a river changes its flow it changes the flow of history that's mm-hmm. what is happening so dear listeners we are speaking about all this because it gives us a perspective into understanding why swami lays so much emphasis and that is what we shall go into now of how much description swami gives and how swami glorifies and how much interest swami shows in the sitarama kalyanam in fact numerous occasions sitarama kalyanam has been depicted in swami's presence and i think i recollected this once swami was so personally involved he had just gone into the interview room when the scene of sitarama kalyanam took place it was a 2 minute episode in the drama when swami came back he said is it already over swami said how can marriage get over so fast on the face of it it appeared like a joke yes you know because a marriage in an Indi- in india especially a marriage goes on for 3 days right. and as swami said in the clip says in the clip it will go on for 4 days i mean we have not yet played the clip i'm sorry for this so for 4 days so swami came and said no no now start it again and swami personally directed he called the elders he said now bless the couple now so we had a next 15 minutes of sita rama kalyanam and swami was so happy that day it just looked like this is a nice episode from the ramayana which is swami's favorite but we realized the deeper message that swami is sending out that the most important thing is this kalyanam this ability to see god in society ability to see god in nature and i think with that dear listeners we will now go into the story because now we are in a position to better appreciate all the juicy and lovely details that swami gives which also adds to the story because rama's ultimate mission as we described in the beginning of the ramakatha rasavahini is to destroy ravana and this is the beginning of the end because sita is the root cause for which 
Ravana is destroyed ultimately. So, you know, before we proceed, as you mentioned, Ravana, there's another point which Swami made in that clip, which was made very, very casually in, in a very short manner. Swami said, it is not about separation, it is about union. Swami said, people always think of the separation aspect which comes in Ramayana, the story of Ramayana where Sita is taken away, the later Sita is uh, sent away to the forest. But it's all about the union because there are two times when the union of Ramayana and Sita happened, if you look at it. One is at their marriage and the other is at the end of at the, the world. And both of this happen after a certain sequence of events. The first part, the main protagonist who oversees these events is Vishwamitra, who comes and makes Rama do certain things which will benefit the society at the end of which he gets this Sita who is the knowledge of himself being divine. So it is like in the process of reaching your ultimate realization, you have to benefit the society. And that's why there is that very beautiful and famous line in the Rig Veda, if I'm not wrong. It, it says, Atmanu Mokshartam Even as you proceed towards your realization, you have to benefit the world. And that statement also gives you a kind of indicator on whether you are on the right path. Exactly. If you feel that you are on the spiritual path, you are doing whatever penance, tapas or you are pursuing your personal sadhana and getting moksha, let us say. One way to check whether you are really progressing or not is whether the world is benefiting by your existence. Because these two are inexplicably intertwined with each other and you cannot have one without the other. If you are truly on the spiritual path, the world will benefit. And if the world is benefiting because of you, you are truly on the spiritual path. Exactly. And that in fact is the essence of Swami's message. You know, all that if you see the setup of Swami's organization, that is the main idea. The ultimate goal or the, the underlying principle is you have to discover the divinity within you but in the process are you able to benefit the people around you and that is the essence of the story of Ramayana too because even the second part you know when Rama is going out to win Sita again from Ravana all the acts which he does you know the establishing of Sugriva on the throne to remove uh, killing of so many demons and in the process I think there is a we'll come to that part when we come there where Lakshmana would ask Rama that Rama are these your duty really I mean, mm. you're not here for that. So, Rama says, no, actually, I'm here for this only. You know, going after Sita is only a pretext. Mm. In the sense, that is why Swami is saying, it's all about union. In the process of union, what are you benefiting the people around you? Beautiful. Now, dear listeners, we will, without further ado, we will go directly into the description of the marriage because it is so beautiful and it was so beautiful that when Prem and I heard it, we just felt that we would not be able to do any kind of justice other than leave it for Swami to do the description. So, here is a clip where Swami is describing day-wise what all happened during the ceremony. Now, we know the background as to why so much importance is given to this particular marriage because it is the union of Prakriti and Paramatma and all that we discussed till now. And we'll listen to Swami and then proceed with our discussion. All the festivity in the gate you are ready to perform the wedding of Rama Lakshmana Bharata Shatrugna there in Midhilapura. In all the external activity that goes on, there is inward significance. Basing on the ancient tradition of the royal family, the wedding took place for four long days. On the first day, the wedding invitation will be taken in procession by all Purohits and will be handed over to the bride. Tadupari, 
గృహము నుండి సుమంగళులతో ప్రవేశించి వీరి లగ్న పత్రికను వటునకు అందించటము on the following day the bride's party all ladies will go in a procession ide pradhanavarini modalukoni sayankalam varaku kudanu ide vedukulo jarputu vacharu modati dinamu the same thing went on from morning till the evening on the first day rendava dinamu vamsa gauravamunu pratishthimpa cheskoni varulaku taginatundi oka krutagnatanu chekurchatamu basing on the royal prestige they express their gratitude ichakuni vamsam modalukoni dasaratha maharaja varaku kudanu ee rajyamnu paripalinchinatundi raadulu yokka gunamulanu pratishthalanu charitralanu varninchukuntu variki krutagnatanu chekurchatam they gone spending the whole day thinking of all of the past kings of the royal family kshwaku and express gratitude on that day anaga gadachina raadulandaru kudanu పవిత్రమైనటువంటి యొక్క ప్రఖ్యాతి అయినటువంటి యొక్క ప్రతిష్టలను సంపాదించటం చేతనే ఈనాడు దశరథ మహారాజు ఈ యొక్క రాజ్యమును ఏలగలుగుతూ వచ్చాడు బికాస్ ఆఫ్ ద ప్రెస్టీజ్ అండ్ ద డిగ్నిటీ ఇన్ ద పాస్టరిటీ దశరథ హాస్ కమ్ టు ప్రెసెంట్ పొజిషన్ టుడే గడచిన రాజులందరూ కూడాను సత్కీర్తిని సత్ప్రవర్తను సదాచారమును సద్గుణములనే పోషించుకొనకుండిన ఈ యొక్క అయోధ్య రాజ్యము ఈ దశరథను దక్కేటువంటిది కాదు హ్యాడ్ నాట్ ద పాస్ట్ కింగ్స్ అబ్జర్వ్ ద ట్రూత్ అండ్ ఆల్ ది ఎస్టీమ్ అండ్ ద ప్రెస్టీజ్ అండ్ ద రెప్యుటేషన్ దశరథ వుడ్ నాట్ హ్యావ్ బీన్ టుడే వాట్ హీ ఈస్ కోసల దేశమును పాలించినటువంటి రాజులందరూ కూడాను గొప్ప మహనీయులు ధర్మపరులు సత్య సంపన్నులు కనుకునే అట్టివారలకు కృతజ్ఞత అందించటము ఈనాటి రాజులకు ప్రధానమైనటువంటి కర్తవ్యం ఇట్ ఈస్ ద డ్యూటీ ఆఫ్ ది ప్రెసెంట్ డే కింగ్స్ టు ఎక్స్ప్రెస్ ద గ్రాటిట్యూడ్ to the past kings who spend their life in righteousness and truth kanukuni ee krutagnatana andinchatam anetundide oka goppa oka panduguga bhavisthu vacharu expression of one's own gratitude is a matter of festival tadipari meemi modalukoni janaka maharaja varaku kudanu ee rajyamnu palinchinatundi midilapura rajyamnu palinchinatundi rajulaku andariki kudanu janakudu kudanu tan tan krutagnatanu andisthu vacharu Likewise Janaka also expressed his gratitude to all the past kings that ruled Midhalapura. Midhalapura nagaramunu motta motta nimi anetunti maharaju inni prarambinchadu. It was the king Nini who started this Midhalapura. Ee madhyalo enniyo vandala rajulanta kudanu ee rajyamunu kaapadukuntu poshinchukuntu vacharu. Hundreds of kings have taken care of this kingdom. Kanukane vaashi vaari yokka poshana bhalam chetane ee Midhalapuramu వైదేహి రాజ్యంగా నిలిచిపోయింది బికాస్ ఆఫ్ ద ప్రొటెక్షన్ గివెన్ బై దెమ్ ఇట్స్ కాల్ వైదేహి కింగ్డమ్ కనుకునే కృతజ్ఞత మానవునికి ప్రధానమైనటువంటి ప్రాణముగా విశ్వసించి ఈ విధమైనటువంటి యొక్క మంగళ కార్యములు ఎందు దీనిని జ్ఞప్తికి తెచ్చుకుంటూ వచ్చారు దేర్ ఫర్ ఆన్ ఆల్ ఆస్పిషియస్ అకేషన్స్ గ్రాటిట్యూడ్ ఈస్ ఎక్స్ప్రెస్డ్ యాజ్ అ మ్యాటర్ ఆఫ్ లైఫ్ ప్రిన్సిపల్ ఈనాడు నేను రాజుగా ఉన్నాను కదా గడిచిన రాజులతో నాకేం పని అనేటువంటి అహంకారంతో విర్రవీయలేదు they were never egoistic thinking in this direction today i am the king how am i bothered are the past kings kanuka gadichina rajulakandariki nee krutagnata cheppukotamu maa kartavyamu is our responsibility and duty to express gratitude attu krutagnatane cheppukokundina maa yokka kartavyanni nirvartinchinatundi varam kaamu if we don't express our gratitude we are not discharging our duty kevalamu oka rakshasatvanni vahinchinatundi krurulaga memu roopunduthamu 
రామకథరసవాహిని Swami writes that uh, King Dasharatha, Emperor Dasharatha says that our preceptor, that is Vashishta, Vashishta, he is the one who is most revered here and he will speak about the family, that is our clan, Ikshwaku clan. Another subtle point over here that, you know, Dasharatha doesn't boast about his credentials. <laughs> it is a third person and not an ordinary third person, you know, it is Sage Vashishta, who is the epitome of wisdom. and he is speaking so king janaka needn't have an even an iota of, of doubt so there is no pride there is nothing this is a sage a, a person who has nothing to gain or lose from the world who is speaking so again uh, whenever we speak such things i get such we can say divergent thoughts but it is all connected let me just state the thought that came in my mind right now how we would all crave for praise from swami you know we may give a good talk maybe a good bhajan everybody may come and pat on the back but if swami doesn't praise if swami doesn't say it was good we are not satisfied at all it is so common to see that if swami says it was good it doesn't matter what the others say because you know we are all convinced of swami's divinity and we know that swami's feedback is the feedback that's all that matters because swami is purity embodied he is divinity embodied he is he is there there can be no you know what you say like speaking one thing thinking another thing feeling another thing which the world can possibly do so there is absolute trust and faith in in swami's word so if swami says that it is good that's all that matters whatever others may give criticism we actually receive the criticism with a smile we are not bothered at all at the same time others may come and praise but swami makes a face and says it was okay it was not so it could be improved we are not happy at all the world might say that you have done an awesome performance but we feel no 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 you know we need to do better and you know i feel that is the kind of importance that is given to feedback from god or a realized soul so when vashishta is speaking it is good for both dasharatha and janaka because janaka will have no doubts about whatever because vashishta is the spiritual giant and dasharatha absolutely it will be a good thing for him that a person like you know vashishta is speaking about him rather than he himself speak so swami just said that vashishta speaks about all the forefathers of dasharatha and swami has actually named them in the ramkatha rasavahini right i'll just read them out it starts with brahma so you know mm-hmm. it's so beautiful because they trace their lineage to brahma the first person in the family the root of this family tree is the creator himself what better way than to draw lineage from there and then on it goes you know you will see how much time i take to just read out the names you can just imagine how much time it would have taken there for them to tell the name and then glorify all the acts and actions done by these people so from brahma comes marichi these are all the sons that i'm naming from marichi kashyapa then surya surya son is manu manu son is vaivashvata manu and his son is ikshvaku and that is the person who has given the dynasty the name ikshvaku right. ikshvaku son is kukshi then vikukshi then bana anaranya trishanku trishanku son is dundumara whose son is yuvanaswa susandhi now susandhi has two sons that is daivasandhi and prasenjit and daivasandhi is the elder son so he ascends the throne his son is bharata the bharata 
after whom this land is named the, la- uh, the, uh, the, the land of india sure. has been named then bharata's son is asita then his son is sagara and sagara is the person who had those you know thousands of sons right the story who, of ganga being brought down exactly right. that sagara sagara of the ganga fame sagara son we had spoken that time asamanja asamanja son amshumanta whose son is dilipa and then bhagiratha bhagiratha is the, one, the one who eventually brings down mother ganga onto earth a small correction here is, you know some people told me it is king sagara we mm-hmm. have been calling him sagara but okay. whatever it is so yeah it is that king we are referring to sagara or sagara then bhagiratha son is kakustha his son is raghu raghu after whom we call it as raghuvamsha then pravardha then sudarshana agnivarna sigraga maru after maru his son is prasusraka his son is ambarisha you remember ambarisha right the ambarisha story the devotee of lord vishnu who's who was Sudarshana protected by Chakra the Sudarshana is, right, from the wrath of Muni Durvasa. Durvasa. Dear listeners, please read it. It's on Wikipedia. It's there everywhere. It's so amazing because each of these names have a glorious story <laughs> behind which we cannot go into, which Sage Vashishta went into there. Then after Ambarisha is Nahusha. Again, a story is there. Then Yayati, Nabhaga, then Aja. Aja's son is Dasharatha. And Dasharatha's son is Rama. And Vashishta says that that Rama of the Ikshvaku clan is now being wedded to Sita. Right. And then of course, Janaka from his part, he himself narrates the ancestors in his lineage. Of course, he doesn't name as many as uh, Vasishta named. But Swami says starts that he with starts Nimi. with Nimi. Nimi is the first one and then he names the the people in his lineage. That was the episode which Swami was referring to in this particular clip where Swami was saying this was the first event which happened. Which means one day was dedicated to giving gratitude to the ancestors. To the ancestors. And you know, there is so much importance that Swami gives to giving gratitude. It is so amazing. I myself heard in a discourse, again I don't remember which discourse, Swami is saying that a person who does not give gratitude is as good as a blind person. I mean, I don't remember whether Swami said he will get blinded or he is as good as a blind person, but he said that the ancestors used to begin their days with gratitude to Lord Surya right in the beginning as the sun rises because it is because of Surya that I am able to see. I may have my eyes, but if there is no Surya, what do I see? So they express their gratitude to Surya and that would just be the beginning of the day which would be filled with gratitude to everything and everyone because our existence, our breathing, our doing actions, everything is because of others and other things that exist in society and in nature and therefore every moment of our life we are supposed to be grateful. It's a very important thing here especially Swami saying, uh, talking about Dashrata, Swami saying that he is such a great king but he did not say that I won this kingdom because of my uh, you know abilities and uh, value. He says that there are so many kings who have established this kingdom and I have to show gratitude to all of them. You know, this idea of giving gratitude to predecessors is not only important in the lineage, in the family line, but in any act which you are involved in, in your field, in your career. It's a very important thing. I think it was Newton who said, you know, all that I saw in science was what I saw standing on the the shoulders of the giants who came before me. To acknowledge the work which has been done before, which is such an important thing. That's what Chami is saying. You know, as youngsters in the younger generation, we all tend to do this. We tend to look at our people who came before us as people who have done mistakes and we are here to correct it. And we are here to change and bring in change. And you know, I remember while speaking to some some of the younger children, you know, they, when you speak about history and about people, of course, history is filled with many mistakes because it is learning from those mistakes that we are where we are today. So they just look and say, oh, they were such dumb people. It is so wrong to think that we have to express our gratitude for 
they are so called in quotes being foolish or making mistakes because if not for them we would have ended up making the same things and we would have been in the past all the progress in any sense that we hold today that is materialistic progress or scientific progress or even i feel our spiritual progress when we look at each of our own spiritual progress i am sure in some way we will find the role that our elders our parents our grandparents have played for example today yes i might fight with my parents i might argue with them but every time i remember that the greatest gift that i consider in my life which is swami is a gift from them and if that is the greatest gift for which i feel i have no measure no way to measure the magnitude of that gift then there should be no way to measure the magnitude of gratitude that i must be feeling towards my parents right exactly you know sometime uh, i think few years back i was speaking to some elderly person in the uh, university you know he was there from the inception of the university and he was once talking of the various difficulties they faced in the beginning because he said nobody here actually had the uh, background of coming from an educational institution if you know it there was of course vk gokak who was an educationalist by profession but otherwise everybody else were professors and lecturers who had come to handle administrative things or we ha- that's how swami does i think i mean everybody else was just brought together and the university was made look at radio sai for example absolutely <laughs> so it is no surprising that swami did the university also very true and he said a very beautiful point you know once he was talking to one of the engineers mm-hmm. who was uh, helping in the construction of one of the buildings in the ashram and he asked him he said no i have always had this question and doubt in my mind how do you know the exact area where you should lay a road let's say a ghat road mm-hmm. you know you all we've all been to tirupati by road we've been to you know in the western ghats or eastern ghats where roads there is no particular way you can say that this is how the road will be a road over the hills road over the hills hill ranges right I mean. sometimes it goes around the hill sometimes it goes through the hill sometimes it goes you know above the hillock and goes to so there is no single pattern like which way it should go so he asked him how do you decide which is the best way to lay the road mm. he said it's a very simple unscientific manner i don't know if if it's still used but he said this is what they used when they were you know building uh, highways and roads then he said they would catch a bunch of donkeys put burdens on them and you know, put a lot of weight on them and just make them walk on the road walk toward huh? walk and wherever they these donkeys are you know walking they would lay stones as milestones and construct the road along that region because that you know you could trust the instincts of a donkey because the donkey doesn't know where the road is the donkey doesn't know where you know if you or you and i were to walk on a road we just follow the road right the donkey doesn't know that but the donkey goes by its instincts by the easiest and quickest right. manner huh. so he says the people who followed behind the donkeys would lay the milestones and then build the road and this person said it really struck me because that is how this whole place is built because we all were taking decisions based on our instincts hmm. we did not have history to fall upon we did not have experience to fall upon at that moment when we had to do something we just based it on our instincts and our prayers to swami but he said this is what has to be remembered by the younger generation they should not come and say that what a stupid thing to do what a wrong way to do things you have to respect the fact that this was all done by instinct and done by people who had no clue but the only tool they had was their devotion to swami that devotion is such an important aspect because you know instinct is something that is related to animals or donkey as instinct so if you say that he did instinctively it carries a negative connotation but when a person does things instinctively with the backing of devotion instinct changes into intuition that is the magic that happens that is the magic that devotion brings and that is another beautiful point here particularly because i remember on one occasion swami had you know right now we heard swami speaking about gratitude 
Swami had defined devotion saying that devotion is nothing but gratitude. So, Swami had equated devotion and gratitude. So, it is not a coincidence that we have landed upon the word devotion here, which again highlights how important gratitude is. Whether we are singing bhajans or chanting the name of the Lord or doing anything for the Lord, doing seva, whatever, in devotion, it becomes devotion only if it is done in gratitude. And gratitude is nothing but the joy that we express for the gifts and benefits that we have received which means every moment of our life has to be spent in gratitude because we have received so much right and that was the event which Swami was describing you know many times in a ceremony in a marriage ceremony especially you do so many things but here is Swami breaking it up and saying that why this is done why this was done in the form of this Ramasita Kalyanam and the first day is as you said first and second day this was right. second day was full about Vamsha Gauravam right and that explains how much would have been there for these two kings to share let's move on to the next let's, day let's go to the next clip where Swami is talking about the following day Inka Moodavadi, third. Then a Nalaguru Kumarulaku, Bavishetulo, Tagina twenty of car, keep the government of Pratishal Perigi, Samajimulopala, President of Suchemani, Duchi and Dunchukoni, Dana Dharmamulu and eight twenty of car, Perucheta, Aneka Vela Govulanu, Dudalto Kudin at twenty Govulanu, Bangar Kumuluto Kapin at twenty of car, Alankaram to Kudin at Govulanu, Dana Mistuacher. On the following fourth, third day, keeping the welfare and the reputation, the esteem of the four sons to benefit the society, they were indulged in the acts of charity and distributing the cows and the cows and the cows decorated with the gold in the, around the horns. The four types of mothers. Bhumata. The first mother earth. Rendavdi Veda Mata. Second mother Veda. Mudavdi Gomata. Third one mother Ka. Nalagodi Deha Mata. The fourth one the physical mother. E Nalagum Matalayukka. Tutakritana Kudanu. Manam Andinchitam Manakatavyam. It's our duty to express our gratitude to all these four mothers. Nalagutalula Biddal Prati Manavuru. Everyone has these four mothers. Prati Talik Kudanu. Tana Sektana Saramu. Tana Kutakritan Andinchakpote. What Nijanga Kruda in a Putrude. If one does not express gratitude to one's own capacity, he is a wicked one. On third day, they were so happy distributing the cows to the poor people. Fourth day, Kanyadanamu. Wedding, Kanyadana. Anaga, Tamatama Biddaranu, Dasaratam Haraj Kumarulaku, it is the day when the daughters will be offered in marriage to sons of the Sarada. Janaka Maharaju, Wakawaipana Sitanu, Marakawaipana Chakuru Bidan Tivurmilanu, Tiskunu Vacharu. Yavaru, Dasita Maharaju Kadu, Janaka Maharaju, Atani Bharya Nikuti, Sunetri. Janaka brought Sita along with Urmila. The other two are the daughters of the brother of Janaka. This Kushikumara who brought these two. They were brought to the platform where wedding was to be performed. 
ఈ యొక్క కుశధ్వజుడు జనకుని యొక్క తమ్ముడు కుశధ్వజుడు కుశధ్వజ బ్రదర్ ఆఫ్ జనక అతని బిడ్డలే మిగిలినటువంటి ఇరువురు the other two are his daughters bharatanaku shatrughnaku andinchinatunti varu they were married to bharata and shatrughna ee vidhanga kucho pettinappudu dasaratha maharaj kudanu tana kumarunu nalugunu venta pettukoni vachadu when they were all seated dasaratha came over there along with his four sons varunu kudanu thoorpu vaipunu mukham petti nalugurni oka vaipunu kurcho pettaru they were all made to sit in one line facing the north veeriki eduruga sita ఇద్దరు కుమార్తెలు సీత ఊర్మిళ ద అదర్ టూ డాటర్స్ వీరిని కూడా అక్కడ కూర్చోబెట్టారు దేవర్ ఆల్సో మేక్ టు సిట్ అయితే ఈ ఇరువురికి మధ్యలో ఒక తెర కట్టారు హవర్ దిస్ కర్టన్ ఇన్ బిట్వీన్ ది టూ ఈ విధంగా తెర కట్టడం లోపల కారణం ఏమిటి వాట్ ద రీజన్ బిహైండ్ దిస్ కర్టన్ ఆనాటి రాజుల యొక్క సాంప్రదాయమే కాకుండా ప్రతి మానవుని యొక్క కర్తవ్యం కూడా ఇలాంటి గుణశీలతను పోషించుకోవటమే is not only the royal tradition of the ancient times it also has got an important factor vyahamu jaragaka puramu kanyanu varudu choodakodadu before the marriage the bridegroom is not expected to look at the bride ikkada kanyadanam jarigina tarvata sumuhurtam tarigina tarvata appudu maatrame teran teesthu vachadu after the auspicious moment only the curtain will be removed appudu kuda tera teesinappudu రాములు ఎక్కడో చూస్తున్నాడు ఈవెన్ ఆఫ్ ది కర్టన్ ఇస్ రిమూవ్డ్ రామా వాజ్ లుకింగ్ ఎట్ కానీ ఊర్మిళ వైపును కానీ చూడలేదు హీ డిన్ లుక్ ఎట్ సీత ఆర్ ఊర్మిళ అప్పుడు దశలు జనకుడు వచ్చి మమ పుత్రి ఇదం సీత అన్నాడు ఓ రామచంద్ర మమ పుత్రి ఇదం సీత సీత ఇక్కడ ఉండాలి నీవెక్కడో చూస్తున్నావన్నాడు జనక కేమ్ అండ్ సెట్ మై డాటర్ సీత ఇస్ హియర్ you are looking in that direction kaani vinipinchukoledu but rama didn't hear all this tirigi rendu moodu paryayamlo cheppadu idam sita ikkadundi rama sita ekkado chustunnavu annadu and janaka repeated twice or thrice here is sita you are looking in another way kaaranam emiti what's the reason inka mangala sutram kattaledu he has not tied that mangala sutra the sacred thread vivaham kaanatvanti streeni chudata mahapapam is the worst of the sins to look at an unmarried woman ichchakula vamsamunake apakirti dichinattu vaadavutanu we'll be bringing the sikshwaku clan to disrepute kanuka nenu choodanu unnadu so i won't look at her he said ini pattiye eka patni aneetanti peruku saarthakamaindi for that reason he got this name that he had one word okay mata one word okay patni one wife okay ambu one arrow ఇది రామచంద్రునకు ప్రత్యక్ష ప్రమాణమైనటువంటి యొక్క బిరుదు దీస్ ఆర్ ది టైటిల్స్ ఆఫ్ రామా దట్ యు హ్యావ్ సో ఇట్ మూవ్స్ ఆన్ అండ్ అట్ దిస్ పాయింట్ యు నో స్వామి డిస్క్రైబ్స్ దట్ ది సెరమనీస్ దట్ ప్రిసీడ్ ది యాక్చువల్ వెడ్డింగ్ బీయింగ్ కంప్లీటెడ్ యు నో ద వెడ్డింగ్ ఈస్ కంప్లీటెడ్ వెన్ దే యాక్చువల్లీ టై ద మంగల్ సూత్ర అండ్ దే ఎక్స్చేంజ్ గార్లెంట్స్ సో దేర్ ఆర్ సెవరల్ వాట్ యూ సెరమనీస్ దట్ ఆర్ అబ్జర్వ్డ్ అండ్ పర్ఫార్మ్డ్ బిఫోర్ దట్ ఫైనల్ యాక్ట్ which declares to the world that now this is man and wife so swami is describing all this one episode which he has not described in this discourse which again you know swami narrated to the students in kodaikanal one very beautiful episode with a lot of inner meaning you know one of the ceremonies it even to this day it is done in all the indian weddings where the bride pours handfuls of rice onto the bridegroom's head, head. bridegroom's head right. and the bridegroom does the same over the bride's head 
and this is a very nice photo opportunity moment because you know it's like a cascade of grains all around the head and uh, it forms like a kind of shower curtain all around you know mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a kind of curtain around the head formed by rice grains when proper photographs are taken so this is a very uh, photogenic <laughs> moment so this and everybody would have seen it having attended a indian wedding this is something you would never have missed where rice grains are poured on each other's heads in those times swami says that white pearls were poured you know pearls actually white pearls were poured on the head and here swami says that the pearls that mother sita picks up mm-hmm. actually the most pure pearl is supposed to be like a translucent you can almost look right. through like that shiny so they take on the color of whatever surface they are kept on swami says that the pearls in mother sita's hands were all red in color right. because her palms were like lotus petals so soft and smooth and pink red and also those designs the mehndi designs that are made so it's red in color those pearls she is pouring onto the head of lord rama now lord rama is wearing a white turban white turban yeah right. so those pearls are white in color and after those pearls fall away from rama and those pearls fall onto the ground on the ground those pearls are there they are dark in color because the earth is dark then swami says that white symbolizes sattva guna sattvic sattvic qualities red is rajasic and dark is tamasic so it is the pearls which are near rama they are sattvic those who are close to god you can get close to god when you embody sattvic qualities and sita is prakriti nature that is the world and in the world what we see those who seek the world they are the ones who are very passionate who do a lot of you know intense activity rajasic action action oriented because they want success they want name they want fame they want glory all this associated with the world worldly they are rajasic and that is why red that is why the pearls in sita's hand are uh, red in color red in color those who are neither i mean they don't get uh, spurred on by the world worldly glory and success nor do they get spurred on by spiritual pursuits and god they remain inert clod earth like black tamasic so swami says so beautifully if you are interested in materialistic success and worldly glory and this you are rajasic if you are interested in spiritual glory enlightenment and you know being one with god you become sattvic if you are absolutely uninspired you are tamasic in fact i remember swami saying that it is better to be rajasic than tamasic give up inertia give up inaction by plunging into activity and then you can move into pure activity which is sattvic so rajasic nature is prescribed as a cure for tamasic nature and then sattvic nature is prescribed as a cure for rajasic nature ultimately swami says you have to go beyond all nature become one with the lord that is beyond the gunas which is which is the ultimate state if you look at it you know this is almost i think uh, the third or fourth reference which swami is making to the representation of the three gunas in the events which happen in the ramayana of course initially swami said that mother kaushalya sumitra and kaikeyi stand for the three gunas of sattva rajas and tamas and uh, i think then swami says three women who come uh, uh, that uh, yeah, yeah. one is tatiki the other is ahalya and then sita, sita. swami says the tatiki who stood for tamas was destroyed that which stood for rajas was transformed and sita who stood for sattva was accepted and in fact that 92 discourse initially we we started the program with a clip from that discourse in that discourse swami mentions this the entire ramayana is nothing but a play of these three gunas and that is why it is universal that in is fact, why it is not confined to any language religion we will see it later on swami also calls among the three brothers he says vibhishana is sattva guna right kumbhakarna is tamas 
and ravana is rajas right so there also everywhere even even in the journey which hanuman takes over the ocean he uh, battles and crosses over these three gunas which come in the yeah problem. the three obstacles are three obstacles and that is why sami said you will see that throughout ramayana you will see representations of these three gunas and since your body and your personality is nothing but the play of these three gunas that is why ramayana is so close to each one and it is universal it is not confined to any particular caste religion or creed so dear listeners please pay attention to this and remember that as and when these three gunas keep cropping up in the ramayana we will be again dilating on that and making references to the previous ones and there is uh, one more event which ami uh, describes in this very beautifully the final moment in that consummation of marriage where in that ceremony you do what is called a kanyadhanam swami so mentioned about right, that right swami so makes a mention of that where you know swami so beautifully says janaka comes and says mama putri mama putri sita he says this is my daughter look at her this is for those who are unaware of sanskrit kanya means a maiden right, right. Maiden. maiden danam means danam is charity charity so usually the father of the bride gives his daughter as charity to the husband after this it is said that you know the father has no ownership over the daughter because now she becomes like the property of the husband because once you give something as charity it no longer belongs to you it belongs to the person to whom it has been gifted and in the ramkatha rasavahini swami also describes this kanyadanam how it is done swami says that this is how it is done even in marriages in india the bride and the groom cup their hands and the bride's cupped hands are placed inside the groom's cupped hand over which a coconut is placed and then they pour milk and water over that coconut and this is how the ceremony of kanyadanam is done and here again a very interesting episode which swami narrates in a few discourses where uh, king janaka comes and says i am doing the kanyadanam i am offering my daughter to you as charity as charity, charity right and uh, rama refuses he says no i don't want so everybody is shocked he said what is happening here mm-hmm. you know one episode of course swami narrated so beautifully where rama refuses to see sita where janaka is saying this is my daughter you see her he says no till i get wedded to her i will not see her you know that is one episode and it really looks like they've got a really you know troublesome person in this new bridegroom <laughs> because and there are very subtle things which swami is teaching in each one of these things because here when uh, in the other episode which swami describes when janaka comes and says here take my daughter i am doing the kanyadanam rama refuses and he says see i belong to the ikshvaku clan hmm. we are only accustomed to give we are not in the habit of receiving from others hmm. so he says if you are going to call this adanam i will not accept it okay and that is when it seems janaka's preceptor steps in and he says actually sita is not the daughter of janaka sita is the daughter of bhudevi hmm. janaka is only brought her up only so the custodian he, right so he doesn't have the right to do danam of sita and then vasishta says that even rama is not the son of dashrata hmm. he says because he was not born to any mother he was born out of that blessing of that payasam so he says that there is no question of kanyadanam being done by janaka to rama he says just offer her as his better half and he will accept it wow so there's one little point that we missed which is important from the story's point of view this is the arrival of yudhajit right now yudhajit is the brother of kaikeyi who is the mother of bharata that is the uh, third wife of king dasharatha he arrives from kekeya kingdom the kekeya kingdom is present day kashmir he comes because kekeya's father is missing his grandson a lot that is he is missing bharata a lot and he wishes to see him and so yudhajit who is bharata's uncle comes to the kingdom of ayodhya in order to invite bharata for to the kingdom of kekeya in the meanwhile what has happened is the sages vashishta vishwamitra and satananda who is the uh, main uh, preceptor of janaka janaka yeah right. so they have got into a discussion saying that this is a beautiful thing that these two families are getting together through the union of 
marriage and why restricted only to Janaka? Janaka's brother Kushadwaja. Right. He has two daughters. That is Mandavi and Shruta Kirti. Now Janaka has offered to give Sita and Urmila to Rama and Lakshmana respectively. Why not in the same occasion? in the same ceremony also get mandavi and shrutakirti wedded to the other two sons of dasharatha which is bharata, bharata and shatrugna so this is something that we forgot to mention right the marriage is happening between these four couples that swami anyway narrated right. in his discourse he has covered up for our inadequacies which he always does not only in satsang but also in life and that is why we get the love and respect that is because it, swami is always there covering up our inadequacies and it it will be really wonderful on our part to keep reminding that to ourselves so these four are now getting wedded to the four daughters and therefore all have left for mithila and uh, yudachit gets to know about this only on his arrival to ayodhya and therefore he also decides he is also very thrilled and happy at the developments he also decides to go over to mithila and attend the the wedding function the wedding ceremony and uh, he plans that once the wedding festivities everything is over after this possibly he could request bharata to spend a few days with his bride newly acquired bride at kkr kingdom that is in kashmir with that intention he has arrived at mithila and he is also witnessing the proceedings going on right i think uh, there are a few more ceremonies which happen here and swami describes in that very discourse which we were playing which incidentally is the 22nd of may 1996 during the samukho Swami spoke extensively on the Ramayana but we'll continue that dear listeners you'll have to wait till next week the second part of this month's Ramkatha Raswani series we'll get back to you with that and we are celebrating Ramasita Kalyanam over a week I think <laughs> and you know as we mentioned in the beginning of this program it is a very very significant event in the Ramayana because as Swami says it happens in each one of you and that Ramasita Kalyanam is the moment of enlightenment and that is why it is very significant and that is why many many times it was performed in front of swami as a ceremony as a function i think even as a dance ballet right i think in the year 2009 or 8 there was a saptaha at the end of which there was a sitarama kalyanam which was performed so it is an episode which is very dear to swami's heart and the reason and the significance behind it, it is what we tried to cover today but there are a few more incidents which happen during this wedding and of course a very historic moment which comes after the wedding which swami says where two avatars meet which is again a very significant event in the ramayana hopefully we'll come to that next week so till then this is prem from team leader sai and with me is arvind we take your leave and with much humility and love we offer this humble effort of ours at swami's lotus feet sita kalyana vaibhogame rama kalyana vaibhogame पवन जस्तुति पात्र पवन चरित्र पवन जस्तुति पात्र पवन चरित्र रवि सोम वरनेत्र रमणीय गात्र सीता कल्याण वैभोग परमेशनुत गीत भव जलदी बोध परमेशनुत गीत भव जलदी बोध धरणी कुल संजात 
ಜಗರಾಜನುತ ಸೀತಾಕಲ್ಯಾಣ ವೈಭೋಗಮೇ ರಾಮ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣ ವೈಭೋಗಮೇ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣಮುಚೂತ ಮುರಾರಣ್ಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಸೀತಾರಾಮುಲ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣಮುಚೂತ ಮುರಾರಣ್ಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಸೀತಾರಾಮುಲ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣಮುಚೂತ ಮುರಾರಣ್ಯ ಚೂಚುವಾರಲಕು ಚಾಲ ಪುಣ್ಯಮಠ ಚೂಚುವಾರಲಕು ಚಾಲ ಪುಣ್ಯಮಠ ಪುಣ್ಯ ಪುರುಷುಲಕು ಧನ್ಯ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮಠ ಪುಣ್ಯ ಪುರುಷುಲಕು ಧನ್ಯ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮಠ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮು ಭೇದ ಮುನೇದಟ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮ ಭಾಗ್ಯಮು ಭೇದ ಮುನೇದಟ ಭಕ್ತೇ ಸುಲ ಮುಕ್ತಿದಾನ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣ ಚೂತ ಮುರಾರಣೀ ಶ್ರೀ ಸೀತಾರಾಮುಲ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣ ಚೂತ You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 11th September 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashanthi Nilayam.